1: Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 1016. Hey, Washington, D.C., I'll be at the D.C. Improv September 5, 6, 7, and then the following weekend I will be at the Chicago Improv uh, September 13, 14. You can either go to those websites or id10t.com slash tour, and uh, there's new stuff up at id10t.com. We're posting some horror-themed socks and some... Uh, horror themed. <laughs> yes, horror themed socks. All right, because they're fun. Uh, and some new shirts, some new ID10T shirts, and some some other fun stuff. So go there more soon. Uh, also events at ID10T.com will get you your thing. If we can get to it, we get a lot of. We do the best we. Please don't be upset if we don't. We're trying. Okay. Anyway, uh, disclaimers aside, here's Jeff Baker who writes. For a while, I've been noticing I have to censor myself when singing my favorite songs around my kids because of the inappropriate content. So I started making up new comical lyrics to replace any offensive content. They were such it with my family and friends that I started posting them on YouTube. The channel is called NSFK Music, and you can find it by going to nsfkmusic.com. An example of what you might find, What I Got by Sublime, I replace I Got a Dalmatian, I Can Still Get High, I Can Play the Guitar Like a Motherfucking Riot with I Got a Dalmatian, I can give high fives. I can play the guitar like your mother fighting rabbits. Now that is family friendly, sublime OC fun. Uh, I also currently have Closer by Nine Inch Nails and "Bounce" by Tenko Jones and more to come. Now I need to hear Closer. I need to hear Family Friendly Closer Uh, by, by Nine Inch Nails. Um, also Chris Frodel writes Frodel? Frodel I'm sorry Chris that must be the bane of your existence People saying Frodel or Frodel uh, My wife Melanie has taken her passion for travel And become a travel agent For Living with the Magic Vacations A woman owned run and run vacation planning agency She uses her know how To get you and your family to any destination you desire Through her you can book your vacations To Disneyland and World uh, You can go to Universal, Sandals Beaches uh, Cruise Lines From fast passes to dining plans to excursions and everything in between, she'll help you get there. Find your magic and contact Melanie today. Go to livingwiththemagic.com slash Melanie dash Frodel, F-R-O-D-E-L dash bio. Or just go to livingwiththemagic.com and find her under Meet the Team. Also, a friend of the L.A. comedy community, Jazz Ponce, and uh, her mom, Melinda, have a GoFundMe up. Uh, Jazz used to run a show called Tiger Lily in L.A., and um, they uh, they've just uh, hit some financial troubles. And uh, Jazz works for the school system and doesn't go back to work until September. And her mom was in a car accident, which is uh, has kind of uh, sent their world into a bit of a tailspin and an upheaval. So uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to her GoFundMe. Um, it's uh, it's a fund that just really just kind of gets them through uh, until mid-September while her mom is is convalescing. So if you go to GoFundMe and uh you search for Melinda and Jazz Accident Emergency, uh you'll find it. And uh just sending hugs to Melinda and Jazz and and uh all the best wishes and hoping that everything uh everything writes itself really soon. Uh all right, this episode is Brian Possein. Brian Possein, uh who's back on the podcast now. Admittedly, this was recorded several months ago. And, uh, I still have a couple that have just been pushed because, I don't know, other ones come in that are like, this has to go up right now! And so, uh, I don't know. I don't have a really solid excuse because I loved this episode and I love O'Brien. I adore him and I've known him for, oh my god, 25 years now. And so uh, I humbly apologize for this going up several months later than it should have, but, uh... Brian is on tour right now. He has uh, a bunch of shows. He's in Arlington at the Arlington Cinema and Draft House September 12, 13, 14. He's in Seattle at the Neptune Theater September 20 and 21. Then he goes to Athens, Georgia. Then he goes to Hamden, Connecticut, Chicago, Illinois, Portland, Cincinnati. Uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado in December. If you go to BrianPosane.com, you can get info and uh, ticket links to all these these, uh, shows. You should definitely see him in person if you get a chance. Also, uh, he's got a great podcast called Nerd Poker, which is basically D&D. He always referred to D&D as Nerd Poker. So uh, you should check that out uh, if you get a chance. And, and... Brian Posehn has a book. It is called Forever Nerdy, Living My Dorky Dreams and Staying Metal, available wherever books are sold. So find him, see him, support him. Uh, Brian Posehn, I adore you, and I'm sorry. This podcast is going up uh, a few months later than it should have. But here is episode 1016 of the ID10T podcast with Brian Posehn, Slayer! Initiating ID10T protocol.
2: either Lando yeah man if you got one of these glasses before the movie came out or before you, your mom took you to see the movie you'd be pretty mad at Burger King <laughs> it's a spoiler glass <laughs> oh the whole she, thing is she, a spoiler like, it tells yeah the I, whole think story. We, I think we discovered that too <laughs> yeah Lando betrays he's known to Han to be an accomplished con artist an Says oppor- he betrays an opportunistic <laughs> scoundrel Lando betrays Han to Darth Vader but later regrets his action and assists in the escape of the Millennium Falcon and its crew
1: <laughs> spoiler <laughs> so because of a whopper because of a, you, you because you had a whopper and you're like god damn it now you can see the fucking mom why did you get those stupid glasses <laughs>
2: I thought you liked him. You, you think too much.
1: I thought it's I the old.
2: Chewbacca.
1: Mom. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of fucked up. I mean, I guess maybe they just assume that at that point everyone has seen the movie. But I don't know why they had to. Yeah. I mean, did they put on the back there? Because if you get that glass at Burger King, you're like, I don't know who this man is. Right. Let's see. What does this one say? Oh, this is. Oh, this. This is obviously reproduction because it refers to the Sith. I have the Darth Vader glass, and it says, "The Dark Lord of the Sith, once a Jedi Knight, now draws his incredible evil powers from the dark side of the Force as chief enforcer of the Galactic um, uh, Emperor." Vader commands the. It's a little hard to read because of the because right. of the the image on the back of the glass. But it doesn't say like Luke's dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vader commands. The, Vader commands executor. Uh, uh, oh, Vader! Vader commands the. Uh, executor. Most fearsome of the Imperial Star Destroyers, Vader hires Boba Fett, the notorious hunter, who tracks the Millennium Falcon and its crew to Cloud City on the gaseous planet of Bespin. Concerned that Luke Skywalker grows ever stronger with the force, Vader seem, uh, seeks to lure him to the side of evil. So this is interesting because this is obviously a collector series from Empire, but I, is it weird that they refer to the Sith in something that's... Cause, Right. I mean, I, I, obviously, I know it's all. So that's a repro. Then, yeah, uh, that's a repro. That one, I think, is yours. I think is actually an original, and as you can tell by the shape of the glass. Yeah. But the uh, but the thing that's weird about it is because that, that is they did retcon. It's obviously retcon, right. like the Sith are a retcon. But still, it feels weird on a on an Empire Strikes Back, back uh, glass to refer to the Sith. Yeah. Oh well. How are you with the Sith? Do you do you, do you, do you like that whole storyline? Which thing, how they've. <laughs> well, just like, just basically
2: evil Jedi's. Uh, I don't know that I hate it because I, I think I was always vague about it as a kid. I right. never completely got why Vader had turned on his buddy, you know? Yeah. But you just knew that he did. Yeah. I mean, it's. They the, put more story behind it, <laughs>
1: the, I, get, the, I guess, then. Yeah, the, the retconning in Empire was pretty bad for Star Wars, though. He's like, you said betray- Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Well, I mean, he was, you know, when he became, then he then killed the good. So what I told you was from a certain point of view. Right. Like, man, right. I don't know if that, I don't know if that really holds any water. Well, if this holds water. It's a glass, but I don't know if that story holds water. Right. Were you angry about that when you saw it as a kid, or did you just go, oh, makes sense? Uh, no, I didn't get angry about that. I was
2: more, like, I hated Jedi just because of the obvious reasons, Yeah, uh, but Empire was totally in. And yeah. Empire uh, loved all the way through. That's still my favorite, I think. It's still the best one. But, um, jedi was a teenager when and most of my friends had already turned on it you know because they're driving cars and getting laid and uh (laughs) (laughs) but driving cars to get laid and uh and i was still taking the bus to movies and so i i was fired up about jedi but my friends weren't and then i saw jedi and i i had some problems
1: does anyone like take the night. bus to get laid? <laughs> Taking the bus to get it's laid. Night. How'd you get here? Don't worry about it. <laughs> is that a bus pass in your pocket? No, you're a bus pass. That doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, uh, Jedi, I was because I'm just a few years younger than you, so I was in the right age range right, to have probably appreciated. The toys and- it was like, oh, this is fun, and look at these little guys, you know. But of course, as I got older, it was a uh, change.
2: I had everybody telling me to let it go. Like my mom, my, my family, like, cause I loved, you know, the toys and the figures came out. Like, well, the first movie came out when I was 11. So, but by the time the first wave of action figures came out, I think I was 12 and most of my friends weren't playing with action figures, but I was like, this is the best thing ever. And I've right. been waiting for these and then had a couple of years with them. But I remember being, you know, in high school and my grandparents were like, no, we're not getting you toys anymore. Like, that's weird.
1: <laughs> I'll show you. I'll buy them for the rest of my adult life.
2: Yeah. And then my, you know, and then my friends were obviously like, no, nah, we're not seeing Jedi. Well, yeah, go ahead. And, you know, I was like, no, I still love this thing. Are you still friends with any of those people? I am. Uh, I went back to being friends with them, but yeah. I walked away from some of them at high school. But sure. Then, now, a lot of them stayed in my little, my little tiny town. And I'm sure now they're like, Eh, you know, my metal buddies yeah. were always cool. I had two metal friends that are still like my two best
1: friends in life,
2: but and we stayed close the whole time.
1: I, but, I, kind of I, I want to dissect a little bit and explore the crossover between metal culture and nerd culture because when I when I was growing up, things were ve- things were very this or that, and now right. everyone is a bit of everything just right. because we're all exposed. Yeah, to for everything sure. And everything is easy to. I, I think a lot of it in those days is that. You know, like, really deep-cut metal music was hard to acquire. Really, right. like, nerd toys were difficult to acquire. Right, right, You know, Monty Python episodes were difficult to acquire. Like right. Like, in those days, in the 80s, and the late 70s, in the 80s. And so everyone was sort of the byproduct of how much work they were willing to put into something, which was driven by how passionate they were right. about it. Now everything is so easy to get that it doesn't yeah. fucking matter. But when I was growing up... The metalheads were like heshers, and I did not know that they that there was a nerd. I didn't know that there was a nerd component to that. But then meeting you, and obviously being friends with Rob Zombie all these years, like oh right. wait, there's like there's like a huge component. Right.
2: it seems. Well, me and my close friends, we were the metalheads that the other metalheads didn't like you know and then there were the stoner because i didn't smoke pot in high school or or well till 21 i think i started smoking pot and i hated the stoners at my school because they were just acdc dumbasses and didn't like the other stuff (laughs) Didn't you know they didn't know who yngwie momstein was and you know and it was me and my two buddies that were kind of one guy was a computer guy and is still my like and this is you know 83 when you had to be rich to have a computer, and right. he had a home computer and you know was that kind of kid. And then the other kid was learning to play the bass. And we were like three smart dorks that liked this really heavy, aggressive music. But we were like, you know, before we could drive, we were taking buses to Santa Rosa to get music and look for this obscure stuff. And, you know, I hated the guys that just listened to ACDC and Judas Priest. We were like, ah, those <laughs> bands are great, but there's so much more, you know. Like. Right, right, right. Because
1: I guess that's sort of... That's sort of the starter kit,
2: right? Right. Yeah. You yeah. Got, you got we used, had moved beyond. We're like, oh, I got this Metallica demo and this other thing, and you know, and I just heard about this guy from Sweden, and
1: you know. Well, wait. Look, this might be kind of fun. Let's talk about like let's talk about subculture starter kits, and these are the starter kits that if you just have these things, probably annoy the real hardcore fans. Kind of like what you just said. Right. Right. So what's what's in the what's in the metalhead starter kit? Is it like Back in black as like ACDC. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then uh, back then, I mean, what I hated was I was a big Def Leppard fan till the third record. And then the third record came out, and my whole school loved it. Because it was, I was real like, poppy. That was, Yeah, was that, that was Pyromania. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> high and dry is the shit this band turned on me. And, you know. <laughs> and now all the jocks are listening. Go back to Springsteen and Madonna. Like, stay away from Def Leppard. Because they weren't like, mainstream. Totally they mainstream. Weren't just, they weren't just metalheads. Metalheads in my school liked high and dry like I did. But then the next record, Pyromania, just took over the whole school. And I remember at the beginning of the year, this is so dorky. I was still driving the riding the school bus. I don't think my mom didn't. I we didn't have money, but so I my first car was given to me by my grandfather. Not probably till I was a senior, I think. Uh, so my junior year, I was still still taking the school bus and uh, like bringing a boombox on the bus. This is so eighties <laughs> it was. And uh, I would play. I played um, Pyromania when it first came out. And people are like, turn that off, turn that off. And by the end of the year, everybody was wearing those Union Jack t-shirts mm-hmm. from Pyromania. And yep. it was just, that's what really made the, like, <laughs> F you, like, or, you know, I already said fuck you.
1: So what is it about, what is it about, what is it about hardcore fandom? Because the same thing happens certainly in the... I think it's like anything where it's yours.
2: and right. then when, when And you put in all the work. Yeah, and then people... Like it, but not for the same reasons as you did. It's, and you don't it's want like to have anything, anything in common it's with like, those
1: people. Yeah, right? is that like, part of it too? Yeah,
2: but it's also like like we like The Simpsons at the, you know, when The Simpsons was on um what's What was, Tracy their Ullman. Name? What was on Tracy Ullman? I was hanging out with these skateboarder guys and we love that. And then like two years later, everybody else is in The Simpsons and saying Cowabunga, dude. And we're like, oh, you idiots. Like, that's not what's, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a lot of things that that's cuz you have that I don't know how to explain it but you well you know where you get in at that that bottom floor yeah. and then anybody else who gets in later and then kind of doesn't get why they're into it you know that's where the anger comes from <laughs> <laughs> cuz then I wonder <laughs> the sometimes like of-
1: are we are we into are we into those things or are we just into like early adopter culture? And then the second it's not like an early adopter thing anymore, then is it that we don't like, is that the thing that we're chasing? It's like, like finding that sort of Indiana Jones of pop culture things where you're, you're going into the trenches and you're, you know, like you're, you're digging it up and you're unearthing this stuff. And then other people you are like, Oh, you didn't even make any effort for that. I put all this work. Right, but then also
2: because they like the obvious thing. Like I like his hair, you know. Like Bart <laughs> Simpson's is Bart Simpson's funny. He's yellow, <laughs> you know. But the, says, you know what I mean, or yeah, or or whatever it is. We're Def Leppard. It's like I like the the lame song. I like photograph, or I like
1: you know the the popular song. And you're like, ah! yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember going to a uh, one of the maybe two parties I went to in, in high school, and. It was when I had just moved out to LA and every time I moved to a new city, because we moved a few times, I got to be what I would later refer to as Capital City Millhouse. Where it's like (laughs) where I got like I got a grace period where people didn't know yet what a fucking dork I was. And so I got that grace period where I could, you know, I was new and I stayed quiet in the beginning. So then some of the cool kids would be like, Hey, come to this party. And then, you know, within an hour or so, I was doing comedy bits or be like, hey, did you hear Bobcat Goldthwaite's album? You know, right. like just and doing we people's like, bits. No. Here's, here's yeah. some Emo Phillips jokes. And they didn't want to hear Emo Phillips jokes. Right. Um, they wanted to, uh, <clears throat> you know, get drunk and do drugs and have sex with each other. And so, but I remember being at one of these parties when I first moved out to LA and Def Leppard came on. And when I lived in Memphis, Def Leppard was, like, h- hardcore. Like, the people, like, they would write in pen, like, Def Lep on their, nu- on their nu- fingers, like, the little knuckle joints. Uh-huh. Here. And, uh... And this a party that had all these football players and cheerleaders and they were drunk sing, and Pour Some Sugar on Me came on. I was like, oh, Def Leppard, really? And they were all singing Pour Some Sugar on Me at the top of their fucking lungs and it confused the shit out of me because I didn't know that that transition had occurred right. that they that Def Leppard had now spilled over into... Especially by that record
2: because yeah. that's the one after Pyromania. That's Hysteria and that one, like it was all over. By then, I was so into way heavier stuff that I... Didn't even buy that record, but Pyromania was one that I bought, and then went, and then it went meh, like it went, <laughs> it turned rotten, <laughs> like the the record, you know, yeah, It spoiled,
1: yeah. Whenever
2: when other people got into it,
1: I mean, I guess it would almost like, I guess it would almost be like. And, you know, if Sid Vicious had lived in the late right, 80s, if Kiss yeah. FM started playing the sex pistols, right. you'd be like, what the uh, fuck is happening? Right.
2: And I had already had music turn on me. Like, I talk about it in my book of, like, having, uh well, Star Wars betrayed me later. Well, actually, no. Because uh, the holiday special I talk about in the book where the holiday special should have been our sign as, like, the (laughs) older, you know, first-level nerds of Star Wars that got into it, you know, as 11-year-olds. And then two years later, this piece of shit comes out, and it's so misguided and so – like, the humor is so terrible. Oh, the Christmas special? Yeah, of the holiday special.
1: But (laughs) it's still (laughs) hard to deny me, Arthur.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and it introduces you to Boba Fett and the animated thing, but – which is still so kick-ass, but – I remember that being one of the first things of like hey this thing I like might not be perfect. But
1: that's but now that you now that you get a better sense of how things work, it's yeah. easy to understand this little space opera that no one thought was going to be anything, all of a sudden, is the, one of the most right. wor- biggest worldwide phenomena in the world. So ABC is like, we want that. For That's Christmas. exactly right. So, yeah, and they yeah. didn't have yeah. they didn't have the protocols in place because they didn't have nerds that worked for them. Right. They were like, this is how you no, need to so they honor they hire this Bruce. Material. So. They- <laughs> Hey Bruce Lynch, <laughs> come yell at this script. So they just so they <laughs> bring just a, bring a tight
2: T-shirt. Yeah, they're and yell like, at well, this script. is
1: this is popular, so whatever. These ki- kids are dumb; they don't fucking give a shit. <laughs> yeah, just put yeah. some Yodas and you know, it's like it's like in uh, Raising Arizona where uh, you go, they go, what what did what what did he have on his pajamas? I don't know. They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on Yodas them. And like and shit. Yeah. yeah, it's just like Yodas and shit, which yes. I think is kind of how for sure how that stuff is pro was was programmed. And I wonder. If when they were making it, they were like, "I don't know, guys. I, I don't think this is great." Ah, it's fine. I'm sure because the cast were all drunk and phoning it in.
2: I mean, <laughs> Hamill looks wasted. Carrie, you know, is out of her, you know, out of her mind. Probably when she shot that thing.
1: I mean, that, that She's barely in it. That right? experience must have. So, <clears throat> can you imagine? Just because we all now in our careers, we all do a million things. Yeah. And one little thing, and it's usually like the things that you don't—you're not really, you know, like ah, I just did this small little thing that blows up, right. as opposed to the thing that you like. This is so important, right? You know. Yeah. Um, and so, can you imagine like what that would feel like if all of a sudden, just like one little thing you did that you thought no one was ever going to see, not only becomes one of the biggest things in the world, but also defines you and does all this stuff? Can you Have right. you ever thought about like, would you want that kind of weird success?
2: I don't know. Y- yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I think like Harrison Ford is the guy who still is like, ah, I wish I never did that thing. There, there. Do you feel you interviewed him right? I've had him. there, yeah. there is well, like
1: a sense of like, so well. like, a of like. I will say this very sincerely. I will say this very sincerely. I will say this very sincerely, and I don't mean this as a joke. But there was a I I noticed in my experiences with him personally. There seemed to be a dramatic difference. The line of demarcation was uh, landing his airplane on the golf course when he was in that plane crash right. that he walked away from. Uh-huh. The before that he was a little like, "What is this? Come on!" You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that that person asked him a question at the panel we were doing at Comic Con the year before, two years before, like, "Oh, what would you know? What would Han Solo say if he met Indiana Jones?" And he was like, "Ah, oh, hello!" You know, <laughs> right, like he right, was just—you yeah. could tell. But then after that happened, when I did the panel for Force Awakens, he was genuinely checked in and like moved and seemed appreciative. Huh. And so I wonder if there was just that sort of like, he just kind of had that, oh, look, oh, wait a minute. Life is precious. And yeah, maybe. it's lucky that we get to do all these crazy things. Yeah,
2: for sure. You would think it would have come earlier than that.
1: But <laughs> you know, what, though, <laughs> it
2: takes. Crash land in a plane, yeah. You know.
1: But can but but honestly, our culture is so different now, particularly with how fandom is is yeah. dealt with and particularly how performers and studios people respond to fandom because he was famous at a time when famous people were could be invisible or untouchable right. or didn't re I mean, there were tabloids, but not like now. Right, right. And so you know, like, the the people who were super famous in the, in the, in, in the 80s, any time before the 90s, really were able to live these sort of isolated lives. Right. So, I don't know. I just wonder, like, that's got to fuck with your head. Right. And I think he's just not a nerd,
2: probably, about anything. I get no. the feeling. Because Hamill definitely is. A thousand percent. And Hamill, like is so much more appreciative, I think of the nerd fame because he it loves other things like I, I think he gets the obsession, and I think maybe Harrison doesn't have that thing that he's obsessed about you know? I, and like, I, like so doesn't never collected anything or ever you know
1: i don't know when you and Patton and Jerry Duggan and uh uh Blaine Capatch and all of us used to play d and d um. The, Dave Anthony would show up sometimes, like in a in like a leather jacket, and just knock on the door and be like. I'm gonna kick your ass, you fucking nerds, and then he would just leave. Or yeah, and he threatened to do that all the time too. Like if he
2: knew about the game, he'd yeah, go, I'm coming by. <laughs> so that character
1: that he was playing—imagine if that guy got super famous because of a D and D thing, right? You know yeah, what I mean? True. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. the guy who's like, "What are you fucking nerds? Keep it down! Yeah. My girlfriend's over, and she, you know she took yeah. your top off, and you guys are fucking ruining it." You know, like right. if that guy all of a sudden—that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there would have to be like. Don't let Dave hear this. I'm
2: Harrison Ford. No, Dave. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there would have to be a love hate relationship <laughs> yeah. with the thing. It's like the thing did make you famous and gave you money and notoriety yeah. and a lot of things, you know. But at the same time, it was a thing that you didn't necessarily respect. And then that's tacked to your identity right. for. Him. And like his three biggest movies are
2: franchise movies, right? Ha- Harrison Ford's like his three biggest characters are like. Their characters there and their mainstays in nerd culture, all three of them. Yeah. And that must drive him crazy too. If if you already hate nerds and then it's like, (laughs) oh I need I did another nerd thing.
1: God, I didn't (laughs) Yeah, but this guy had a whip. How's that nerdy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Come on. He's like (laughs) ladies love him. Why I don't get it. He's just trying each time. Right. So then he just dovetails into the Tom Clancy novels. It's like no nerds are coming into these waters. Yeah, it's only going to be conservative nerds, Gun, <laughs> gun-toting nerds. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I—I I don't know if it's that he hates nerds. I just wonder. I just—I don't know. I might be building that up too, but like,
2: there seems a little bit of he's ne- he and he never did like what Lucas did or what you know Shatner did in that famous SNL sketch of like, get a life, you fucking losers! Right, you know, right, that, right. But, Right. Because Lucas definitely did that to us. But
1: <laughs> You're still carrying around, that <laughs> Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you still haven't made peace with that as you're getting older? No, I'm still mad at that dude. How but... do you explain... Okay, so here's what I want to know. How old is Rhodes now? Uh, nine. Rhodes is nine. And he, I assume he loves all the same shit you love. Yes. And it's been really hard
2: with the, the prequels because... I I in the beginning when he's little and I was like those suck, <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> but like he probably would have loved those. I heard kids right? love Well, he readings.
2: loves them. Yeah. and now but because I've I've totally uh, pulled back on it, you yeah. know. And I it took me talking to Melanie too, of you know who you know very well, yes. my, my wife, uh, of her just going, well, yeah, don't do that.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he needs to know.
2: <laughs> and then I felt bad because there was like I. You know my my stand up and my life are they're the same. You know, and I did a stand up bit about um, how the, those out, those movies weren't going to even be allowed in my house. But then you know you you can't really stick to that. And so then once they were in, then I sat down, and now I've like moved back a couple of steps. I'm like, well. The last two don't suck as much (laughs) as the Phantom Menace. (laughs) Well, you know, Phantom Menace—that I'm still holding on to. That movie is a mess, and it was really made for kids. And then there's a lot of misfires in it, and you know, Jar Jar being just one of them. You know, I I think that Podrace and uh, it's just so cartoony and just the tone was so. Not what I wanted to see from a Star Wars movie, and still isn't. But I think and there then are it some... goes political, and yes, it like, does, and becomes messy. And
1: but there are some fun there are some fun rabbit holes to go down, which I think uh, would be great ways to bond with you, your kid or anyone's kid. But you know, there are fan theories that Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord, right? Right, and, right. and, uh, and yeah. that and that E. T. was actually a Jedi because there is like a little yeah cluster yeah of no, E.T.'s. I love those little things too. Yeah, those are kind of fun.
2: Before my son, so I only saw those movie the fir- of the prequels. I only saw Phantom twice, mm-hmm. you know, which is compared to me seeing you know Empire two hundred times or right. whatever. Who knows? Right? Who knows at this point how many times I've seen that movie? But I went. It came out. We speaking of Patton. We had tickets to see that movie you know, weeks in advance, and it was coming out on a Friday. And then a screening came up. at What's the little theater here in Silver Lake? The, oh, the, the, v- the Vista. The, the Vista. Yeah. So it was going to be at a Vista on Thursday night. So the night before, Patton goes, hey, let's go to this midnight screening. And I already have tickets for the next day. And we go, and we fucking hate it. <laughs> and we walk out, and we're standing in front of the Vista, and I'm like, God damn it, I have tickets to see this stupid thing at noon tomorrow. <laughs> and I went the second time, and the second time I'm just even, I, you know, there's no joy in my body. Like, because when I went in the first time, I was like, this is going to be great. And then it's like, no, it's not. And then now the second time, I'm
1: like, whoa. Yeah, that's that part I hated last night. When that first, when it came out, because we were still doing a show at the Gypsy Cafe in Westwood, oh yeah, which is yeah. right across the street from those two theaters, the Fox and the Bruin, right? And I remember performing for like a couple of weeks. People were lined up and camped out in front of that theater, yeah. Which I don't doesn't it doesn't happen anymore because no. people don't you know
2: disappointment.
0: <laughs> is that what that was?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
2: that was like, and then uh, weeks. Yeah. So so yeah so. That's the only two times I saw that movie till my son got into them. You know, I never went back to them because I was so I hated them so much. And then the other two I just saw once.
1: Did you show him the films in uh the order in which they were in release originally, order? Originally
2: no, originally I just showed him the originals. I don't know how we I think it was getting oh, getting them on Blu ray you had it there was a box set at Target once and it came with all six. Yeah and so then once we had those other three in the house that's how he got exposed to them and I think it might have been a nanny or you know and I, was like, don't. And I come home you're fired <laughs> I,
1: to- I told you not to I- this was in the lockbox with the gun Yes. the fuck don't let the baby see the prequels <laughs> he has the gun that's fine just keep him away from episodes one two and three have yeah. him shoot the prequels do you have uh, do, do you think we're in is there a, is there a glut of Star Wars now, or are you of the mindset of like, no, more the more Star Wars, the better? Or are you like, eh, maybe a little too much? Uh,
2: I, I, The more more the better, as long as it's well done. And I, yeah. I'm not one of the guys that hated Solo. I actually dug it, and yeah. I was anti before it. I've come way, I mean, I've matured a lot about my nerdiness, and part of it is when you see all the hateful nerds on, you know... Uh, online you just go I don't want to be that dude and maybe I was that dude Yeah. you know I remember being mad at like um, and not for a racist reason but like daredevil casting you know like when Kingpin was cast and now looking back on that it's like I don't want to be the piece of shit who says no that Ving Rhames shouldn't play the Kingpin you right. know what I mean like yeah. any of these people that are you know getting online about that kind of stuff it's like you can love that stuff but the negativity has just made me go the other way. It's like, You know, it's like in my act too of uh, PC culture, of like people going anti on PC culture. I'm like, well, I'm going to go the other way. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so politically correct. (laughs) So again, that you fuckers really hate me.
1: So, so you're, you're just, I'm such a
2: contrarian. I always have been. Yeah, always have been.
1: I wonder if fandom is, you know, I've been asking some of some friends about this. Do you think fandom's broken right now, or do you think it's just um, no? I don't know, and it's hard because
2: you go, you go. I want fandom to be inclusive. I even do a rant in my book of like, of that of going. Hey, look, you know, this is the these people, the people that really get obsessed over these things. Generally, it's because, um, well, for me, that was my th- my solace. That was my thing that was waiting for me at home mm-hmm. when I was going through like what I thought the worst days of my life, you know, junior high and high school, and then these people that didn't understand this thing, this thing was waiting for me and and embraced me, whatever it was, comic books, heavy metal, uh, horror movies, all that my nerdy loves were sitting in my tiny room in my mom's shitty apartment, and even when my mom was fighting me, those things were waiting for me in that room, and those were the things that understood me and welcomed me. And I think that's nerd culture is so inclusive of like welcoming to like, hey, you can you can be a fucking weirdo who can barely form a sentence because right. you're so you know <laughs> you know uh, O C D or yeah. whatever, whatever you whatever drew you to this thing, uh, you're welcome. Uh, you can have one eye. You can be you know seven feet tall and be 14 years old, right? <laughs> which right. Which is the way I felt, you know. Right. And uh, you can be. Pee the bed and whatever. Come in, we'll take you. So then, for us to now go, hey, you shitheads. Yeah, that, is, that <laughs> you can't I, that, like this thing anymore. Of all the groups that. But, it, but part of me is like, I feel like I've earned that because I've liked this thing. I've been a nerd for forty years, right? So I think I can go. Okay, you're welcome, but, dude. <laughs> it, it is.
1: It is interesting that a group, take it down. That
2: a group that that, that forty thousand racist notches. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like,
1: it's just weird to me that that a group that for a long time was so marginalized culturally yeah. would then turn around and then start marginalizing, like basically building fences and telling everyone else to fuck off. I mean, and that's I guess, my biggest thing. But yeah, I guess yeah. that you know, like if if there's trauma, then maybe it's just a defense mechanism. But still. That's why I was, you know, when people would say, like, oh, does it, does it piss you off that Comic-Con is about, like, so many other things now than comics? And I'm like, I, no, because it, it welcomes so many people, and people don't have to be ashamed. And now we right. get big-budget, awesome yeah.
2: movies. And then go to Emerald City if you just want to go to a con. If you want – there's other cons. There's lots. You know, like, if you just want to go to a comic book convention, there are them. Right. You just – you've got to seek them out, and, you know, and then you can – Comic Con is its own thing. I have friends that stopped going, and I've I've gone every year since I moved to Southern California. I have not missed one. Yeah, yeah, and and it's changed. Like you're right, you're right, and maybe it's not as fun sometimes. But I don't know. You make your fun.
1: Yeah, I just like the community of it. I like yeah. I like that it's you know uh, it's welcoming. It's something that happens in real life with a real experience and real people and it's accepting and people can go and not have to feel weird. Like they can go and and sort of be right in their comfort zone of like I'm into this, that person's into that and we can find common ground as opposed to feeling Like it's the one place where you don't have to feel like an outcast if you're in whatever town you live in, if there's only like four of you who are into this stuff. And 25 years ago,
2: most of the guys there were like, I wish there were more women there. And now now there are. There's so many. And it's you're really complaining about things turning awesome and everybody (laughs) being into into this thing you're into. Yeah. Which goes back to me, you know, like I was – Mad about Def Leppard and everybody getting into, so I guess I'm sort of a hypocrite. But
1: yeah, Def Leppard. But De- 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 but what I mean, it- DefCon has really uh, has really. <laughs> DefCon's actually a hacker convention, so that doesn't even make any sense. I wonder <laughs> there would be like a Def Leppard convention. They could sustain it. Now it would be sad. <laughs> do you think so? Do you still listen? Do you still listen? Do you listen to new metal, or do you still listen to just the old metal? I listen to both, and then I,
2: a lot with the kid. Being in the car, we try to really break it up. Like we were just listening to Tribe Called Quest on the way up here, so uh, it's not all metal all the time. It's- I think I put that forward that like I think people think that that's all I listen to, but you know, we like we have Smiths crossover. Yeah. you and I and like I love those bands and you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. I listen to like the metalheads that follow me. If they ever rode with me in my car, they'd be like, "What the <laughs> fuck
1: is this?" I, I, I would bet most metalheads have a secret yeah. have a secret stash of stuff that they, you know, but just to stay just to stay yeah. on brand you know but it's but, but it's, I like Duran Duran a little more than most dudes would be comfortable with Dude, fuck of course John and Andy Taylor you know yeah, like yeah. That, that that was that that was that pop where they fucking where they basically like almost played bass like a lead guitar like those bass yeah. lines and those Duran Duran songs are fucking great
2: and the cute girls at my school were into that stuff the girls that I saw at metal shows in San Francisco in the early 80s were fucking terrifying like you never wanted to talk to some of those a girl at a Slayer show she'll fucking kill you yeah like they look like richard Ramirez wearing a wig you know just most of them back then now another thing like metal is totally opened up to women too but in in the beginning like the hardcore metal there were hardly any women at shows like you know
1: i have to know those though days. i'm so curious because <clears throat> you know a lot of fandom comes from motivation or what we're going through and what we're attaching our identity to and the experience for you with metal, I'm sure was a lot of like real – like legitimate angst and mm-hmm. rage and feeling that. And for Rhodes, it's really just more enter- an entertainment offering. It it's is. It's like, oh, yeah. this, is a, this is a type of entertainment that you might enjoy. Because he's not – like what's your kid going to rebel against?
2: Right. No, he's not. And now it's like he likes Pantera because they say bad words. Yeah. And he likes Metallica because they're dark. Yeah. And he's like – did he just say death and did he, like,
1: did he just say die, 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 die? And I'm
2: like, Yeah, he did. Well the the first one was uh uh oh man he, one of the lyrics he just goes, uh, did he just say look to the sky it's the last time you will just before or look to this guy just before you die. It's the last time you will. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what he said. And he goes, that's really dark. And I'm like, yeah, they're pretty dark, buddy. <laughs> Can we <laughs> get a milkshake? But he yeah. loves it. Like, and he gets that that's one of daddy's favorites. I was never the metal dad of like forcing it on the kid. And I was never the guy that was going to have the YouTube video of the baby. You know, you're playing like, the, like Sepultura, like some of the really heavy stuff and having the baby headbang. Yeah, I never did that, and I, you know, I didn't want to be that dad. But I always played my music, but I just kind of always wanted to give him a foundation. So, like in the early days, um, we were playing Sabbath and ac in the car, and then you know with the Ramones and the Clash, and you know, and so he heard all of that. Like at two years old, he was in the back singing along to Ramones, and after you know after singing uh, Iron Man. Oh, that's fantastic. So that, and with Melanie too, she would never let me just be metal all the time. You got to soften it up up. a little bit. Soften it up a little bit for the kid. And then, then it's not so much about softening up. It's more about just
1: being open to other things and just, you know. That's what's hard. Mm Widening it up. I think that's what's hard for nerds to do is to be open to other things because so many get, you know, like nerds are very sensitive. Hypersensitive and can be hurt easily. Right. And opening up to other things means, you know, risking that you might get hurt. And so it can, uh, you know. Did you grow up with other nerd friends though? Only a couple. I I was in, um, when I grew up in Memphis, um, I was in a, a. a lot of my nerddom really revolves around one teacher that I had <clears throat> who was the math teacher. He was the high school math teacher, but my school in in Memphis was K through 12. And it was not a lot of people. It was only like – I mean, right. if there were a 1,000 people there, I'd be surprised for this entire K through 12. And this guy was the math teacher, and he also had a bank of Apple E computers, uh-huh. and he also w- ran the chess club. And so – in the entire school of K through 12, there were maybe um, – God, it feels like maybe eight kids, ten max, but that's ten spread across K through 12. right? So it's not like the high schoolers were really going to hang out with me. So it was really just the people in the chess club who were in my general age vicinity, which was like maybe three people, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and so – and that was it that was it and but everyone else in the school was very binary it was like well you're either a popular kid or you're a sports person or you're just like one of right. these handful of you know people who are just into these 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 things
2: right here my thing was so solitary and until i met the two metalhead friends that were, we had that in common and then we also had other things like our humor kind of Overlapped. We were into Letterman and we were the he, the kids that were watching David Letterman. It's funny every how single consistent,
1: night. like, yeah. if people like one thing, there is a Venn diagram that sort of like. Yeah, and they also oh, if you like, like this. You probably yeah, also we like We watched this the movie like heavy, heavy Metal on the weekends and, like and we metal. also
2: watched John Carpenter movies. Right. And, you know, but before those guys, before my two pals that I mentioned in the book, Crop and Baden, were just the, their, their last names that we still go by, on am and they're Crop and Baden. But uh, those were the guys that. You know, I was like, Oh, you like that? Well I like that. But before that, my nerddom was totally solitary. So I never picked Marvel or D C and and when I was a kid, I liked Star Trek as much as I liked Star Wars back right. then. You know, and like it was always like you gotta pick one, but nobody ever told me that. Nobody I didn't have a nerd friend that went. Oh, you like both? That's weird. You know, like I liked my two favorite heroes were Batman and Spider Man for the since nine years old, and
1: you know. Well, now there's and so many was, things you know. in every direction that it's right. easy to it's easy to set up tribalism, right? But in those
2: days, most nerds were like, "I'm a Marvel guy. Make mine Marvel," you right? Know? And you would
1: never read a DC book. Well, and also back in the uh, 70s, and also 80s. before like home video, right. Star Wars was a movie thing. Star Trek was your TV fix right. that was yeah, in syndication exactly. that you could yeah, see. Like yeah, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it was just like, oh yeah, any of this kind of stuff is all great because you know we didn't we just didn't have a lot of stuff. Yeah, the, the tribalism thing. I, I don't know. I, it. I really. <clears throat> it's unfortunate because it can be so difficult to really have conversations online about stuff with people because you're just you're not really having conversations a lot of the time. Right. So I really do think. And that's why I love. That's why I think D and D is so great because it does force you to come. to It forces you to be in a real world experience and interacting and mm-hmm. forming a little community and having to, you know, hang out with people. Right. Uh, do you still play? Are you yeah. still doing the podcast? Yes, yes, yes. Are, are you? Ha, ha, you're not on the same campaign from. How often do no. you switch campaigns? so
2: this one, you'd, has, you'd have to ask. Dan Telfer's our DM now. Okay. He's been our DM for a while, who you know. I do and, know him. Uh, so, God, we're, uh, this one's 34 hours in Shit, on this campaign? or Yeah. And our last one went about the same. Um, so we, I'll bet I was, Telfer
1: is a fantastic he DM. He is. He's
2: good, yeah. And uh, people really loved Sark. Of course, you know, who I was, when he we, was our uh, guy when we started playing, yeah. yeah, and uh you know, my first podcast had him, and then we replaced um he had a he had a kid, and then <laughs> it's so funny when the d and d like our d and d first broke up with like Patton and I got married, <laughs> we stopped playing d and d well, actually,
1: if you remember. <laughs> The the first time our game got disrupted is because Sark got a girlfriend. Sark got a
2: girlfriend, right. And, and then, then we got, got mad at him. You got, you got really mad at him. <laughs> Don't drag
1: me into that shit. You got mad at him, and we ran Dude, into him somewhere, right. and you were like, what's up, bro? Like, you got real... You got like I was, But also kind of got fucking a, kind around. Kind of fucking around at the same time. I mean, time. you know me. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do the aggressive thing. I will note that Brian thing, has turned bright red, P.S. Uh, but, I'll do the aggressive thing, but... Ah,
2: yeah. uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I love how pot makes me forget, like, certain... And then people would go, no, dude, <laughs> no. There was that. There was that. You
1: were the one. There was that game. I remember. There was yeah, that game, yeah, yeah, in yeah. around 2003 or 2004, where we all set everything up. You guys came to my office. Like Patton unfolded all of his stuff. He took out his figurines. Uh, his, set everything his up. Mom
2: had sent stuff
1: from uh, the east coast. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. set everything up, and we were about to play, and he was like hey, guys, just so you know, I'm probably not going to be able to play much anymore because I got, like, work stuff or whatever, and then proceeded to, like, pack up all the shit and leave, and everyone was like, what the fuck just happened?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that, there was a couple of those. I mean, that's like, that's like setting up for
1: like... a gig, and then, like, some dude unpacks his bass, plugs it in, sets up the pedals, does the sound check, and then goes, yeah, this isn't that's working out. And a weird out. patent then, thing, I don't know. And then packs everything You got to have
2: him on and, and make his face red about that.
1: LAUGHTER And you can't... I don't know. That is the thing with D&D. You can't... If you commit to a... You need to show up. Right. Because if one person doesn't show up, it kind of fucks it up for everybody.
2: Yeah, especially the DM.
1: (laughs) But again, as I said, I'm glad Telfer is here. DM. He's been great. He's he's great and hilarious. It's
2: nerd poker. And that's like what I... I mean, I was calling it that before it was a podcast. Like, I would say to Melanie, I'm going to play nerd poker tonight. Because that's, to me, what it always was, is... uh, and we were all busy then, and we were all, you know. But that was us making time to kind of, because to me, it was less about the game and more about hanging with six friends that make you laugh, and yeah. you know, and doing this, this thing that not everybody gets.
1: Yeah. But, but now D and D is bigger than it's ever been. Yeah, which it's is crazy. really cool. Did you see? Um, My friend Kyle Newman was part of a group that made this book called um, Dungeons and Dragons, Art and Arcana, A Visual History. Yeah. It's it's fucking great. I know Joe Manganello. Yes. uh, Yeah, who did Did the the forward uh, forward
2: for it. He's the most handsome nerd to ever live. (laughs) Have you met that dude?
1: Oh, I know Joe. You yeah, know Jeff. I think I think what's going to happen someday is that he's going to slip and fall, and his head's going to crack open. It's going to be one of those little tiny aliens like from Men in Black, just right. operating this Titan suit. That or he's it's, in.
2: Two it's two normal sized nerds. It's too like
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> they made a, a six foot yeah. five handsome man suit, and the he, yeah, the heavier nerd is his torso. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that dude's all the, torso. That the nerd sorry. that's in there, he has no feet a <laughs> <laughs> little tiny little feet. The,
1: the, the book is really stunning and it and it's sort of in, in you even even kind of getting that sort of the the evolution from when it was when it just looked like it was I
2: want one. I haven't I haven't actually seen it in my hands, but that book. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to get one I of those got one uh, here in the house. Nice I'll coffee table book. Yeah I'll, yeah. I'll
1: show you the book. It really is gorgeous. I mean, that when when they really did but even even the sort of the charming like line art from the beginning was great cuz it just sort of it made you feel like oh I can draw like this this right. feels like this was made for me and then it got bigger and then the art got like insane and, yeah. and and vibrant and and that's that's great too. And I love how D&D draws
2: a a bunch of different types of people to it too. There's the people that are into into it for different reasons, yeah. you know, that are drawn more to the the math of it or the, you know, the chances of it or, or like, you know, the, the role playing part that, right. you know, there's all these different elements and, and that like in the seventies and eighties, it was this thing where either nerds played it or dirtbags played it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the dirtbags are kind of forgotten, but that's how I got into it. Cause I was working with the dirtbag kids at a record store. No, it's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it. What do you think attracted the dirtbags to it?
2: Uh, the metalness of it and the thing that, you know, the rebellion thing of, like, of people saying it, you know, comparing it to the band Kiss. Like, Kiss was, like, Knights in Satan's Service in the 70s. There right. was stuff on TV going, this is evil. And then us going, it is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, right. I got to play that. Yep. yep. You know? Because it was the nerds started it. You know, it was all like, uh, you know, UC Berkeley type guys, you know, playing it originally. And then it was, you know, um, frowned upon by Churches. And I think that's literally what drew dirtbags to it of like, oh, I'm not supposed to like that thing. That sounds fucking <laughs> awesome. Frowned
1: upon by churches. Yeah, just sitting around.
2: What do churches not like? What, what should I get into?
1: <laughs> but especially if you think about even music at that time. Right. I mean, fucking Led Zeppelin singing about Tolkien. You know what I mean? Like, it, oh yeah, it, that, that was really nerdy. Really... But
2: that was seventies though. But by the eighties, there was that that. 80s went so conservative and especially on TV of like you know there was every news program was telling my mom to tell me not to let me do the stuff I was doing you know what I mean like all the programs were too violent even in the early 80s you know that went through it it seems like we have that like every 10 years of like uh, things you know because we got it again in the 90s with Manson Marilyn Manson and stuff like that but in the early 80s it was all this music that wasn't really brutal like Twisted Sister you know, they're a goofy, you know, East Coast, like, kiss band. And they were, like, taking a chord of, like... <laughs> it's like yeah, you, know, you, if don't, you don't see the really satire. Read their, If you really read their lyrics, you wouldn't be scared of them. They're, they're, also, they're a bunch I, of buffoons. And I, I, read, yeah, I listen to them. I, but, always
1: ref- I always just kind of thought of them as sort of, like, a, a bit of a, a satirical. That yeah. It would it almost, like, almost be, like charging people at the UCB with, right. you know, the crimes again. It's like, well, this is... They're not... They're fucking
2: around. Yeah. Well, and they have a song called You're Gonna Burn in Hell, but, but have you listened to it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's goofy. Well,
1: that's why it's so funny now. Like, it's harder and harder because when the rest of the sort of when the rest of the entertainment sectors are like we really need to drill down and and make family friendly stuff video games are like hey fuck all you just come over here yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah. You, you, i feel like those days of there's just too many enter do you think do you think there are too many entertainment options i feel overwhelmed most of the time cuz it's just impossible to keep up with anything right but no, I don't think
2: there's too many cuz there's so many people there I, I don't know, there's just so much stuff for all these people. you know that but you're you- not all into, you know, not, I love that there's all these Marvel and DC shows now and I don't watch all of them. Right. But I love that they all exist. Yeah. You know, um and I'm I'm so late to the table on almost everything cool. Like I just finally watched season 1 of Legion. Oh know? yeah. Yeah, but I love that thing and I love that it's out there and that it exists, but Took me two and a half years to watch it. But. Yeah,
1: there's there's so much of it woven in. Uh, we've been watching um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is uh, funny. I can't believe that can be good. I heard it's good. It's fun. It's really fun. I, my only complaint is that I just wish there was more magic in it. Oh, okay. But there's a it, but it's all satanic. Oh, okay. Everything well, is. I'm in. Yeah, so, like one of the characters the other day. <laughs> the days, church
2: still me to, to have churchy tell me not to watch it. Yeah,
1: and they they refer to Christianity <laughs> as the as the group that represents the false god. And it's just basically her kind of um, trying to establish herself as a half witch, half mortal in the Church of Satan, basically. Okay. And so there's a. Someone said uh, the other day, so everything is like opposite, you know? So someone the other day said, unholy shit, which I thought was goofy and funny. So it's just a lot of, you know, it's. it's right. It's I never
2: watched Riverdale, but I heard it was because there's a spinoff of that, right?
1: It it technically is a spinoff. Well, of it's that. from that world. It's, it's from, from that, that world. RV, it's in that universe, yeah, in but it's on it's on Netflix. Oh, was Riverdale not and Riverdale's uh, on CW? Uh, okay, so yeah. I, I would imagine the shows would have to touch at some point because Lydia watches Riverdale and she said this season is like all of a sudden just gotten supernatural. Uh, like okay. before it was like a murder mystery, and this season right. like. There's, like, floating babies, like, within the first... She was like, yeah, oh, all of a sudden it's just supernatural, and they didn't really... Well, I don't read the comics, but
2: I know, like, Jughead has gone that way, or Archie. I think they've done that with with those main characters, like the modern versions of those characters. Well, they did like they
1: like did like that zombie to... run on, um, on uh, in the Archie comics. Yeah, I'm aware of it, but I never picked it up or read it. But, but uh... my only... Uh, the only weird thing... Well, the, the kind of the weird thing to me about Riverdale is that it's... Uh, everyone is stunning... To look at everyone, is, it's you, television, it is, but even so, like they made Miss Grundy was that her name, Mrs. Grundy, the teacher? I think so. In the, in the yeah. comics, she's like 100 years old, and right, then she but then she's like young and had an affair with one of the characters. And well, so, that's like
2: everything. That's I talk, about, I talk it. about my act now. Of um, you know, the weirdest thing about the last couple of years, people complain about Trump and everything, but the weirdest thing for me is uh. That I now find Spider-Man's Aunt attractive, <laughs> <laughs> like, of, of all of all things in life, that's one of the most confusing to me. Like I hated Aunt May as a teenager; like she ruined every issue where she came in and like stay out of Manhattan. You
1: know? <laughs> oh, <Aunt laughs> and May. menacing
2: Spider-Man, and now now she's this woman who I found attractive since the nineties. Right. So like you know, and the same with Ma Kent. Where I'm like Diane Lane is Ma Kent, and I and now I want to fuck Ma Kent. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and I'm glad Pa Kent dies, so <laughs> I can have her to myself.
1: I don't think you just automatically get to date her. You know, there's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah like, sorry, Superman. I'm fucking your mom. No. <laughs> yep. Again, you're married. She's not real. Like there's yeah. a lot of things that aren't yeah. going to make this work no. out, Brian. Besides, do you, do you really want to? You know, Superman. Superman has a dark streak in him. Do you really want to?
0: That's
2: really, true. Do you really
1: want now? Now
2: that, now he does.
1: Yes. But I. But I just. You know, I don't. I don't know if that's a road you necessarily want to go down. All right. What are you excited?
2: about? I haven't told Melanie I'm leaving her for
1: <laughs> for mockends for Mock <laughs> yeah, I think Melanie would just kind of roll her eyes and go, "Fine, right. you fucking idiot." Go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like most things I do, she just goes, "All right, weirdo."
1: <laughs> Your wife's great. Yeah, I really love Mel a lot. She'd have to be. She. <laughs> what is what is Melanie exposing Rhodes to? Um, uh, sweetness.
2: Uh, no, I mean it. She's just so, she's so good and you know caring, and she's a, just been a great mom. And but also musically, she sings a lot. And um, that he's he's become musical mostly because of her. Because I can't really do anything. She, he plays the piano now, and that's been a big thing of hers. Of like giving him this skill that he may not want at nine years old. Right. But, but uh, you know, guys that we know, like Brendan Small, you know. And some of my other my metal friends that learned to play the piano and learned to read music at that young age.
1: So what's going to happen if Rhodes he gets this music bug? And he becomes like a a singer-songwriter type and then writes a lot of, you're beautiful. Like, are you, are you going (laughs) to, Brian just like, you visibly shifted in his
2: Well, I hadn't thought of that one. (laughs) But I've thought of different variations of him rebelling. Good job, son. I really enjoy your concert. Well, that's why I play Pantera. So maybe he'll he'll do that, but then he'll go, oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or he'll just completely yeah. push back. Um, yeah. No, that's the the way he's gonna rebel is going conservative and like and sublime. You and know, then that it, would be that would really <laughs> it.
1: And he'll just be at, sh- shitty food. He'll like, be in his concert and somehow yeah. he'll have adopted a, yeah. a, a soft British accent and say, This next song is for my father who... He yeah. really doesn't yeah. understand what I do, but I know he tries in his own Why way. Why does he have a British accent? He just, yeah. just softened him up, you know? Uh, like, it I mean, just sort of made him It just sort yeah. of made him more, you know, just, I don't know, just more of that singer-songwriter guy. Like, that, he would have to. He would have to just develop that accent right. for, these, for these types of songs. And in that situation, are you standing off to the side, like, cheering him on, or do you do the, like, ah! Uh, No, I I... I always cheer him on it
2: because my mom. For all the problems I had with her, like as soon as I got into comedy, she was like, "Oh, thank God,
1: (laughs) he's not going to murder anybody."
2: No, she was. She was like, "He found this thing." Like, uh, she went and watched me see or do it maybe the third time on stage, and it was rough. And she'll still remind me that it was rough. Um, that's her. Yeah, but but she also at the same time was like. This is great that you love this. It's more about that, and then like later on, she would be kind of the you know the stuff that I was more typical of hearing from her of like, well, I don't get it, right? But that's great that you love it. And but I wasn't even obsessed with the pe- fact that she didn't like it. I was just more happy that she was like, go ahead, right? You know? And I'm less worried. There was this thing of like you know because I was one of those kids that didn't know what he was going to do, and and you know barely made it out of high school. And uh, and then you know was going to junior college and still didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't living with her anymore because I had fucked up so much there. And I was living with my grandfather in Sacramento, you know, and working at a McDonald's. And like future did not look bright, you know, <laughs> at age twenty. And then I was like, uh, hey, I love this thing. I'm going to do this and then dropped out of junior college that I was barely you know, showing up for anyway. You know? Someday
1: I'm going to be in TV and movies, and I'm going to marry a really pretty brown lady, and we're going to have a child, and then he's and then I'm going to get paid to play d <laughs> Fucking make the fries, you stupid nerd.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly, the guys I worked with, one of the buddies I worked with uh, at McDonald's, he was the guy that was like, no, you should do that. Because like, I was the guy that was making everybody laugh on the fry line. And then, and in the drive-through, and you know, have you ever talked about working at McDonald's on stage? No, not really. Um, no, nah, I, I, and I worked at two, and I worked at. I, I took every like fast food job I could get because they were the easiest, and I, you know, and you just walk in, and, and if you could talk in complete sentences, uh, you know, they would hire you immediately, and they, you know, would barely look at like where you had worked before or call those places.
1: What, uh, is there a good McDonald's secret revealed that people should know about? Uh,
2: no. I, and, I, and you would think that would have thrown me off ever, ever eating their food, but I still, I still like – no, because it is – when you work there, you get the feeling that it's all one thing. Gotcha. You know, and it's it, – because it just comes to the store frozen in a box. That's – Everything.
1: I, I think that's an old – I think there's Every, an old Steve Martin bit about that where he's like, yeah. there's just a vat of this stuff and it just spits out like – yeah. cheeseburger, Wook, fries. Wook. Yes. Yeah, Here's yeah. your change. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> it was
1: that bit. Yeah. Is your book out yet <laughs> yes, or is it, it coming out, out? last Tuesday. Congratulations. Thank you. It's did you like
2: writing it? Uh, I did, but I was so stressed. It was so much work. Uh um, you wrote more I did. than I, one. Have you written one? I just one, wrote one, one book, yeah. yeah. And,
1: and, and Did I it haven't take a, since, year of the, a year of your life? Or? It took... It Actually, it, w- it happened really fast. I wrote the first draft in three months, and then I wrote... That is fast. And then I wrote the... Because um, we had a deadline when they bought it. They were like, okay, maybe we can turn it around for next year. So it was like a year from the time I sold it to when they released it, which meant I wrote it in three months, and then I got the edits back, and then I had to basically write it again. And that was in like a month. So it was, I was under, I was under a lot of, I was under the gun. My whole writing process took a year of like, uh,
2: I think the first draft was seven months, seven or eight months, and then rewriting the rest of the year. But, uh, yeah, it was the most work I've ever done on anything, you know? And, and I still like, uh, Looking at the reading, co- one reading copy that came out was like, I've done two edits since then, but the one that's out now, the first, first edition, there's still like typos in it that drive me fucking crazy. <laughs> but like, I'm signing them the other day going, oh, sorry, it's not perfect, but you know.
1: Well, in 60,000 like, words yeah, or whatever yeah, it 85, is like 85,000 words. Yeah, yeah, A few of them might not be perfect. Right. 23. Twenty-three
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you can find more than twenty three typos, you don't win the, you win the Marvel no prize. Uh,
1: and so this book is
2: essentially a memoir. Yeah, it's a lot of the stuff we talked about today. Uh, you know, um, just growing up and uh, like my old bit talked about, you know, you don't. Uh, you're not born a nerd. You, you find nerdiness. Mm-hmm. You like, you become a nerd and it's, it's really that it's tells that story. Uh, cause it's called forever nerdy and it's just about, um, it's my life, but it's also tied to nerdiness through the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, um, these things that I found at 10 and 11 years old, like you were saying earlier of like, now I get paid for those, you know, like almost everything that I liked as a kid, like, horror movies winding up in devil's rejects and because of you, but, uh, (laughs) uh, but, uh, you know, all these things, uh, writing for Deadpool and, and, uh, you know, all the way, everything that I liked at 10 years old and, uh, like I might even be in a star Wars thing. Wink, wink. Holy Uh, shit. Yeah.
1: So, uh, and is this in the, and uh, so you can't confirm or deny that this might be a thing? Oh, I can't hear you. You're, 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 you're whispering off the side of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you
2: but, but that's the one where I... And then like Mad Magazine. It's just really crazy of like... And it was never like... As a 10-year-old, I wasn't like, I'm going to do all these things. It was just like, I love these things. And I kind of don't know what I'm going
1: to do. Yeah, I feel the same way. Sort you know? of being in like, service to that kid and realizing all that stuff. Do you ever feel... Do you ever have those moments where you get frustrated with something or like, "Oh, I got a fucking Oh, wait, this is like Mad Magazine or this is this thing. This is this is the thing that I actually Sometimes can't on I believe set. I'm lucky that I get to Sometimes
2: do Sometimes on sets, I'll be the the actors that that's mad because he's been in his trailer for 5 hours right. and hasn't acted yet. Yeah. You know, and some t- some days like that because I've got so much shit on my plate too cause, yeah. and I feel like I'm wasting my time, but but then the other part of me is like You're in a fucking trailer, and (laughs) you're just walking in and saying dumb shit. And you, (laughs) this is the dream, you know. It is the dream, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are the only times. Every once in a while,
1: yeah. It's just important to take a step back and always remember, right? You know, and that's what wives are for too. Of like, you know, reminding you that you're being an idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Lydia Lydia does that. Yeah, right. But we're so, but you know, as even though, even though. I feel like I did raise some points that might have seemed negative, like about fandom being broken or whatever. In general, I do think it's an amazing time to be alive. It really is, yeah. We have a you know a, gl- a gluttony of amazing things, yeah. And you know, it's just uh, sometimes we have to just take a step back and appreciate right. that. That we are lucky, you know, like people are living longer than ever before. We have a ton of incredible things that we get to do. We have an amazing technology. We can connect to people like we can. We don't have to feel as isolated anymore, you know, like, I don't know. It's just it is a pretty incredible Time to be right. alive, despite right. I know there's a lot of shit that's going on. Right. But if you can shove that out of the way for a second and just sort of focus on yeah, like, these
2: next twenty four or these last twenty four years, they're are gonna, gonna be, be the best. <laughs> they're gonna be so good. We're gonna good. go
1: out on such a bang. Yeah,
2: yeah. What's that last year gonna be like? <laughs> Who are people knows? just gonna be fucking in the streets and
1: yeah, and, just like and, it'll, just, it'll just it'll it'll look like um, like a stabbing, twelve monkeys. Shooting, they'll just be like it, all the zoo it'll animals. Just be the are purge in the every
2: day, just every day. Uh, the, the purge will be one day where you don't purge yeah it will be yeah it'll be just one day
1: where everybody kind of hangs and that, out and that'll be the most popular movie yeah. is basically yeah. just uh just like a regular it's a movie about a couple who has a regular sit down dinner and no one dies <laughs> right <laughs> and, then they, and then they just appreciate each other as opposed to you know just like a Mad Max kind of a thing where a guy is fuck, like fucking a zebra while yeah. firing right. uh <laughs> you know flamethrowers out of both hands yeah
2: or just not even as cool because all, all the cars will have been destroyed. I I just think it's just going to be a dude just wearing underwear with a dirty jug of water just stabbing people. <laughs> like that's the last. That's the last thing. The last level is you just go stay away from my water. Just, that's where it ends.
1: <laughs> now are you nothing cool or you know how long? How far into the apocalypse would you survive? Uh, first
2: stages for, you, you <laughs> first, Like right away Yeah, yeah I probably have three more years, Chris <laughs> <laughs> I won't be here for the t- the, 24, the running around in the God underwear damn it!
1: you can't fucking die in three years Because then people are going to remember this podcast and be like He called it He called it You have to live at least four more years right. But Brian Posehn, your book is available everywhere books are available yep. I would imagine
2: yeah and I've uh, I've plugged like the main places like Amazon and Barnes and Noble but go to your independent bookstore.
1: I will just wander into Powell's in uh, Portland sometime just for the smell of all those books. I love Powell's go into the important. rare book room it's rad. They only let A certain number of people in at a time. It's on that top floor. I have been there. Fucking great.
2: Yeah, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just love that place. Original first edition things.
2: And there was a guy that was working one day and he saw me and you know it was a Mister Show guy and he was like, Hey, you're gonna love this and brought me in there and yeah, it was crazy how cool that that store is. Are there? Are they doing more any more
1: Mr. Show stuff?
2: The With Bob and David's? Yeah, With Bob and David's. Uh we were talking about it, but I haven't heard lately. Um, you know, those guys are busy and it's it's going to be when they're not when when they find a window that they can write together. And they were talking about now that Cross is a kid of um Bob going to New York which he can now cuz his kids are out of the house. Oh, I thought and you it,
1: said because David has a kid now they're going to do Mr. Show babies. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That is quite a leap.
1: <laughs> I can't I'm trying to shit on the flag. Yeah. I'm trying to make a boom boom on the flag. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> that baby jumped an acid up to its neck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh,
2: no, but we were talking about just so he can be home. Yeah. Of, of going to right there for right. a while, which we've never done. And and even they were talking about even producing a season over there on the oh, East be Coast, great. which would be great. I would leave Encino to do that for a month or two.
1: And then you'd come back for the uh, the impending Encino apocalypse. <laughs> yes. I feel like there's an Encino apocalypse movie for you somewhere. <laughs> Oddly, I had thought
2: of like a Red Dawn in Encino. <laughs> it's a, a bunch of fat white guys defending like a, a cul-de-sac up in Encino. <laughs> That's right. It's like a ne- Halloween yeah. decorations are still up. It's yeah. real yeah.
1: neighborhoody. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be great. Brian Possein, thank you so much for. Thanks, dude.
0: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500.
1: That was Brian Posehn. This is episode 1016 of the ID10T podcast. It's now time for Word salad wrap. Um, I'm guessing that if you listen to this podcast and that if you identify with it in any way, you might be an overthinker. Um. So, <laughs> I know it almost, almost sounds like a Foxworthy bit. If you leave a party and obsess about something you said to someone over the avocado dip and you sit with it for two straight weeks worrying that you said something wrong and you run into that person again and they have no idea what you were talking about because you invented the whole thing in your head, you might be an overthinker. Um, so uh, overthinking, it means well, right? We want to cover every possibility. I mean, I remember I was, when I was growing up, I was uh, heavily into chess club. Very much into chess club At a time when that was not a sexy thing to do Thankfully I think times have changed But uh, in the 1980s It was not a very uh, It was not a very cool thing to do I just loved it I fucking loved chess I loved the I loved the game of it I loved the competition of it I loved the board I loved the pieces And so I played every day Before school, during lunch And after school I'd play in chess tournaments And, um, uh, but on the one hand, I think it taught me to be very analytical, but on the other hand, it also taught me to stress myself out by overthinking hundreds of possibilities because at least the way I played, um, I didn't, I never played with, uh, you know, like I'm going to use this opening and that move and then this gambit, uh, I just played every game individually And so what that meant was that as I was thinking of moves, I was trying to think, you know, 10, 20 moves ahead for a variety of pieces and possibilities. So trying to basically game the entire board in my head with each move, which, of course, is uh, very overwhelming and very stressful, which is why it's very difficult for me to play now leisurely because I just I have I feel like I have to think of every possibility and every eventuality and be prepared for everything And now it's good to be prepared, obviously. You know, it's like we want to think ahead a little bit. We want to make sure that we're not, you know, just jumping into a fire without really thinking about what we're doing. We want to give things consideration. But at what point are you basically rendering yourselves, uh, ourselves uh, inoperable by being frozen with too much overwhelming uh, possibilities, many of which will never come to fruition. And so... The thing about overthinking is that the good the good news about it is that it means you're an inventor because you invent things. But you might be inventing a lot of worst-case scenarios, uh, which will not only stress you out, but, again, will likely never come to pass. And even if you could, even if they did, even if you thought about it, would you be prepared for it if it happened anyway? You know what I mean? Like, what was – there was a oh, – which episode of Doctor Who was it? It was something about – You know, aren't you worried about dying or something? Well, yeah, but why would I want to die twice? In other words, why would you want to go through the stress now and then the thing later? So, um, but the idea of being an inventor means that you're creative. This is the upside of being a creative. If you're an overthinker, if you come up with scenarios or if you're in social situations where, you know, you said something or you made some joke or you said something offhandedly, um then, and then you sit with it, you invent, oh my God, this person. Oh, and then I emailed them, but they never wrote back because they hate me and they hate me because I suck. I'm just a piece of crap. And, uh, everyone hates me. And I always do stupid stuff. Oh my God. And then you, you talk to the person again, they are like, oh yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was on vacation. I didn't really have access to email. And you're like, oh Jesus. So don't let that become part of your ritual. Don't invent things. You know, when you're kind of stirring in your head, when you're overthinking, really ask yourself out loud, is this, real? How realistic are these possibilities? Am I inventing these? Do I have enough empirical evidence that supports this narrative? And if I don't, maybe I'll just try to let it go and just sort of release it into the ether, release it into the universe. And uh, again, as I was saying, if, because you are a creative type, the good news is that you can invent things. So maybe you You know, when you're kind of in those moments where you're inventing horrible scenarios in your head that you're torturing yourself with, you flip it and then you just go create something. You invent something because you're inventing inventing rods are firing at that point. So maybe use them for good. Use them for something constructive. Just a little exercise because if you can even start shaving down your overthinking stress by a few percentage points at a time, then it will, I think, lead to more uh, uh, and less stressful internal interactions with yourself over time and anywhere where you can just, just cut off a little bits of stress here and there is worth it. In my opinion, I M um, H O in my humble opinion. And, um, and uh, so uh, good luck with that. And, don't beat yourself up for being an overthinker. Try to make sure that it's not just part of a behavioral ritual that you have. Um, and really, really, really work on turning that uh, th- those kind of inventive moments into things that are constructive. And don't build narratives in your head that are not supported with real evidence and reality. Uh, maybe sometimes you would be right, but most of the time you wouldn't be right with whatever you're inventing in your head, so at least just give yourself the peace until you actually have to deal with shit. So, uh, there you go. That's it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to Word Salad Wrap. I hope you have a uh, wonderful day, week, or whatever, and, um... Uh, Again, I'll be performing in Washington, D.C., Chicago, and then in New York at Caroline's in October uh, over New York Comic-Con. So uh, go to ID10T.com slash tour for tickets and info to that. And thanks for listening. Bye. ID10T scanning complete.
0: Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels.